It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Thursday, August 20th, 2020. I'm Erin Fulton with Raven News. There are a lot of votes still to be tallied from Tuesday's primary. Division of Elections spokesperson Tiffany Montemayor says the number of absentee mail-in ballots sent out this year was far more than during the last presidential election year in 2016. There were about 8,000 mail-in ballots compared to the almost 60,000 that we got this year for the primary. We even topped the number of people who voted by mail in the general that year. She says things are looking good on the return side so far. More than half of them have already been returned back to us. And we feel very, we feel very excited about that number. Montemayor says both mail-in and in-person absentee balance will not be counted until August 25th, meaning the outcome of some races will have to wait. Given the amount of mail-in ballots that we have that aren't going to be counted yet, I would say that's definitely a possibility. Montemayor says the currently posted results only include early voting ballots and those filled out at the polls on Tuesday. At last count, incumbent Bert Stedman led the Republican race for Senate District R against Michael Sheldon by 159 votes. The winner of the primary will run unopposed in the general election. In the Republican race for House District 35, Kenny Scoffelstead was in the lead against Arthur Martin by just 23 votes. Democratic incumbent Jonathan Christ Tompkins ran unopposed in the primary. Diana Dapsovich is running for a seat on the Sitka Assembly this year, and although she's related to some former mayors, she plans to blaze her own path. KCAW's Catherine Rose reports. 30-year-old Diana Dapsovich was born and raised in Sitka, though she spent much of her 20s in Washington State attending Western Washington University. She moved back four years ago, and that's when she started paying attention to local government. She works at Dapsovich Accounting and volunteers at the Alaska Raptor Center. Though she has no previous experience in government or politics, she says getting to know clients through her work in the accounting office has given her perspective on what Sitkins want and need. I'm a very sharp person. I'm very clever, and um, I listen, I pay attention, and I have been paying attention for the past few years. And I just want to make sure that the people that I care about, the people that I have been serving for the past four years, are taken care of. If elected, she says her top priority is funding a shelter for unhoused men. I know it's something that has been talked about a lot by various organizations here. A lot of people have been have been working on it, but it's something I really want to push forward because it, it's just I feel like it's taking it's taking a long time. Dapsovich thinks the current assembly's work is yielding mixed results. She says she'd like to see the assembly do two things more often listen to both the public and the experts. I feel like sometimes it's been too much on, based on like the assembly members' own um, personal opinions in some cases, rather than paying attention to the data, paying attention to experts, um, particularly when it comes to public health. As far as the coronavirus goes, Dapsovich thinks Sitka has done a good job containing the virus. And while she's a mask wearer, she does think it should be a personal decision and not government mandated. And her last name has been on the local ballot before. Her grandfather, John, and her uncle, Marco, both served as Sitka's mayor. I feel like I'm kind of the next generation, so to speak. So I kind of, at the same time, want to forge my own path. But of course, I'm always happy to get some insight. But mainly, she wants more insight from the public when figuring out what legislation to bring to the assembly table for consideration. I kind of want to serve as like a conduit for people who 
are intimidated to come to the assembly, they can come to me and we can, like, discuss what their concerns are, what's on their mind, discuss solutions, and I'm happy to bring that to the assembly if, if we come to some sustainable and reasonable solutions. Dapsovich is one of eight candidates running for two open seats on the assembly. Sitka's municipal election is Tuesday, October 6th. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Catherine Rose. Over the last few months, schools across Alaska have been busy creating detailed plans for how to operate safely and effectively during the coronavirus pandemic. One of the first schools in the region to put the plan to the test is Pelicans. School started on Wednesday in the small Chichikov Island community. KCAW's Erin McKinstry spoke with the Pelican City School District Superintendent, Norma Holmgard, about their plans for the upcoming school year. Do you mind just summarizing some of the key points of this plan? You know, what is Pelican looking at when it comes to opening initially and just some of the key things? Sure. There's actually three sections. One is conditions for learning. And that's all about, um, you know, keeping the facility clean and disinfected and distancing for students and wearing masks and all of those. And then the second section is continuity of learning. How are we going to know what our students need to learn and where are they academically? And then the last one is capacity. That means, can we keep it going? If we're if we're going to do remote, can we keep that going? And if we're going to do in school? And then we developed a plan for a, a low-risk situation, and Pelican currently is low-risk. We don't have any cases in town. And, and then a medium-risk where we might have a case, um, especially if it's a community spread where somebody got sick but nobody knew how that happened then what would we do in a medium risk situation? And then high risk, high risk, we would go totally to remote learning. In Pelican, we just have one school. It's a K-12 school. And we're actually projecting 11 students uh, for this fall. And so that's a, that's a pretty small number, which makes social distancing and cleaning and disinfecting much more doable. We did conversations with all of our parents to find out what their needs were, what were their concerns. Um, And we did give them the option of continuing with remote learning. And we did have uh, a couple of families that have said that they're just not quite ready to feel that sending their kids to school would be the safe thing and they would like to continue with remote learning. And so we will continue to provide um, remote lessons. We're using Google Meet, so it's face-to-face. They can see their teacher. Their teacher can see them. They can see their classmates. Sure. I wonder if you could talk a little bit more about the importance of in-person instruction and why the school district is deciding to have you know, in-person instruction be kind of the primary option, at least to start with. Right. You know, we, we ask our parents and, and our, our parents really would like to see their children back in school. And we believe that because of our size, we can do that safely. Um, But our teachers didn't, their preparation programs didn't teach them uh, a lot of skills in teaching via the the web. And so our best skills are when children are in the classroom with us where we can regroup and redirect and reteach and and do all of those things. And it's really hard to do those things um, online. Um, You know, many of our parents work. And so having that continuous support happens in the classroom naturally and online it's not always as as consistent so sure um 
I'm also just curious to know a little bit more about how the remote learning went in the spring and, you know, how the district has maybe finessed that or prepared in case you do have to go remotely again if you do enter that high-risk zone. Right. You know, when when, um, schools shut down in the spring, nobody had forewarning. Our teachers came back from spring break and immediately school was shut down. So they had no time to prepare, um, to to build up their skills, take webinars on how to effectively teach remotely. And so they did the very best that they could. They worked hard at it, but it was really, really difficult. The kids' parents weren't prepared to be their teachers either. And so that was it, it was very, very difficult. And everybody did the best that they could, but it wasn't ideal. Since then, our teachers have had time to get involved in some professional development on how to effectively work uh, via the web using technology to provide instruction. You know, last year, packets went home. Parents were supposed to work with the kids on the packets. The information came back. Um, This year, we have agreed that instruction has to be instruction. And so online, it needs to be face-to-face. It needs to be virtual. And so uh, we have new teachers this year and they have worked really hard. They both showed up way early and are really putting together a program that would be much more comprehensive for our kiddos. You can find a link to the Pelican City School District's full plan on our website, kcaw.org. The crew of the state ferry Matanuska has been cleared after everyone was tested for COVID-19, Alaska Marine Highway System officials said Monday. State officials say all 47 swabs came back negative on Sunday. That's following a report that at least five passengers tested positive after riding the ferry from Cake to Juneau on August 10th. The mainline ferry is in Bellingham, Washington, after last Friday's sailing was canceled. Service will resume on August 21st when the ferry returns north to Ketchikan. Taking a look at the community calendar. The deadline to make nominations for the annual Alaska Food Hero Awards and to present about Alaska food topics is Monday, October 5th. The event is Friday and Saturday, November 6th and 7th online. Nomination information is on the community calendar posting. Presentation information can also be found there. To sponsor an event, go to akfoodpolicycouncil.org slash 2020 sponsors. Sitka Public Library offers online story time for preschoolers on the library and Sitka Babies and Books Facebook pages, 10.30 a.m. every Thursday. Included are readings, songs or rhymes, and a book and activity suggestion for at home. The readings follow copyright permission and will eventually be deleted. For more information, call Maite at 747-4022. Al-Anon, a support group for people affected by someone else's drinking, meets noon every Thursday via Zoom. Email sitkaalanon at gmail.com to receive more information and a link to join. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News. This is 